Hey, I'm Pastor Wilson. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Renew is a church for imperfect people only. Over the last three months, we've seen thousands of posts, protests, and debates on racism. Although much of it has been helpful, as Christians, we're always asking if the Bible speaks on this. Does it have a position? We're spending July looking at passages from the Bible that helps us navigate racial reconciliation in a very divided country. This isn't just a hot topic for our church. At Renew, we value being a family that is multi-ethnic because that's what his kingdom looks like. Also, there's a few links in the description. We'd love for you to fill out a Google form so we can help you connect to our community, Bible studies, and events. Also, if you feel led to support our ministry, there's a PayPal link, and also you can text to give. This week, Victoria will be sharing with us. She's a part of Renew and has coached me many times on the subject of racial reconciliation and diversity. She's on staff with Crew and is getting her master's in intercultural studies. Really grateful for her and her insights in the life of Moses and how God uses both his Egyptian and Israeli culture in order to bring redemption. Enjoy the sermon. Hi, everyone. My name is Tiki Gonzalez, and I serve on staff with Crew in the Orange County and LA areas. I'm super excited to be with you guys today and get to share a little bit of my heart in terms of what I've been learning about racial reconciliation and cultural story. Um, so yeah, as I've been part of Renew over the past year, it's just been such a sweet blessing to, to be part of this community and be part of growing together in what I've been learning in my walk with the Lord. And it's been such an honor to get to be part of these conversations about racial reconciliation and justice and what that looks like for us as a church. And so I hope that question was insightful for you, even just to get a glimpse of what your cultural story might look like. And so I hope that that was insightful and a good time. And so... For me personally, as I think about my own cultural story and how I've grown in my understanding of my cultural identity, it was only a few years ago that the Lord really put on my heart to grow in my cultural identity and my understanding of my culture. And that's when racial reconciliation became very real to me. And so in all honesty, up until a few years ago, I didn't really think that my culture had very much to do with my relationship with God or how God would want to use me in racial reconciliation. But the more that I've learned about my own cultural identity, the more I've come to learn that our culture and our cultural identity development and racial reconciliation are actually two sides to the same coin. As I've come to learn about my cultural story, Racial reconciliation has just become so real to me in the way that God wants to use us to be renewing the world. As I learn about the beauty, the hardship, and the redemption of my cultural identity, it's just so clear that the Lord wants to use all of who I am to be part of pursuing justice and bringing reconciliation to the world. And I believe that that's true of who he's made you to be as well. And so it's my hope that today, as we spend time looking at cultural identity from a biblical perspective, that we'll get to see that God cares so much about our cultural stories and how he wants to use every single part of our cultural identities to pursue justice and bring reconciliation to the world through him. So today, we're going to be spending a good amount of time studying the book of Exodus, specifically Moses' story in the first three chapters of Exodus. I think 
oftentimes the Sunday school version of Moses' story gets told. And so we focus on the plagues or the parting of the Red Sea or once the Israelites are already out of Egypt. But when we miss this first part of Moses' story, we miss out on all the richness of Moses' cultural story and the way that God intends to use that to bring the Israelites justice. And so I think we often miss this about Moses, and so that's where we're going to be spending our time today. So looking specifically at the beginning of Exodus, there's a good amount of history that we have to get through in order to understand the history of the Israelites and the people that Moses is born out of. And so at the end of Genesis, Abraham's grandson Jacob has led his family into Egypt, and Jacob's 11th son Joseph eventually becomes second in command in Egypt, and he finds favor with Pharaoh, and he ends up saving his family from famine. Pharaoh then offers Joseph's family to come live in Egypt as a safe haven. 400 years pass by, and that's where the book of Exodus begins. Exodus 1, 6 through 7 says, Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. This verse actually tells us something really beautiful about the people of Israel, because these two verses echo back to the blessing in two places that God gave all humanity in the Garden of Eden, but it also echoes back to the blessing that God gives the family of Abraham and the Israelite people. God tells Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And this is such a sweet promise from the Lord that the people of Israel would be a blessing, and that's what he's created them to do. So as we come to understand our own cultures and our own cultural stories, it's so important for us to allow this promise to hit our hearts as well. And so as you think about your own culture, how have you seen your community be a blessing from the Lord to bless the world? For me personally, I have really fond memories of growing up and being part of the Latino church. Um, my grandparents used to take me to their church as a kid in East LA in a Spanish-speaking Latino community. And I have such fond memories of walking into that church and automatically feeling like I was part of a much bigger family than just the people that I was related to. I feel like every time I showed up, the elders would just treat me with so much kindness and as if I was part of their own family, whether that be the terms of endearment that they would call me like mija or the sheer amount of food that they would bring me on a regular basis. And I think to this day, I still haven't had a better chorizo burrito than the one that I have at my grandparents' church. And so I think this community just so beautifully reflects characters of God that express who he is through kindness, through the deep value for relationship and the deep value for community. And I think all of that, God wants to use to bless the world. And I know I was definitely blessed by that as a kid and still am blessed by that to this day. And so as you think about your own culture and the people that you come from, how have you seen your community reflect God to be a blessing to the world? Coming back to Moses' story and the beginning of Exodus, it's important for us to remember the history of the people of Israel before we even get to Moses, because right at the very beginning of Exodus, there's a huge shift to that, that takes place before Moses is born that we often miss, and this has huge implications for how his cultural story will unfold later on. 
And so at the beginning of Exodus, there's a new Pharaoh who comes to power. And this new Pharaoh forgets Joseph. He forgets God. And he doesn't believe that the people of Israel are a blessing. Pharaoh believes that the Israelites are a huge threat to his power. And he makes decisions that systemically treat the Israelite people as less than. So as a result, we see two things happen. We see mass systemic injustice that occurs across Egypt, specifically to the Israelite people. And we also see that this has massive cultural implications for Moses' life. So starting with listing off some of the systemic injustice that occurs, we see racism, we see slavery, and we see genocide. So the racism and slavery, Pharaoh believes that the Israelites are a people who are less than and who are a threat to his power and treats them merely just as bodies to be used for profit. In terms of genocide, Pharaoh later instills a law that all baby boys must be thrown into the Nile River and killed. And this is a systemic move to completely wipe out the line of the Israelite family. And the Israelite people will come to an end if something does not change. So where the end of Genesis shows us the flourishing and thriving of God's people, and we see that they're being a blessing to the world, we now see that systemic oppression, slavery, and genocide is seeking to destroy them. And this is the context that Moses is born into. He's born under this system of oppression and racism and slavery. And so his cultural identity is tainted by all of this oppression. And I think personally, as I read this, I think this sounds super familiar to our own history as a country, and specifically the cultural history of the black community living in the United States today. And so as a country, I think we need to be more understanding of what our history is as a nation, because there are still systems in place to this day that are a result of slavery that we still profit off of. And so I'm not gonna press into that, but I think that's just something that we need to be aware of as we read this. So we can't forget this context because if we remove Moses from this context, from his tainted cultural history, we lose all understanding of how God intends to use him and his cultural story to bring justice back to this context, back to his people, the Israelites. So as Moses' mother gives birth to him, she saves his life by placing him in a basket in the Nile River in the hopes that he would survive. And later on, Pharaoh's daughter ends up drawing Moses out of the river and raises him as her own. And she also hires Moses' own mother to raise him as her servant. And so because of all of the systemic oppression we just talked about, now in this reality that Moses is living in, he grows up with so much cultural tension and confusion. Moses is essentially raised by two competing cultural identities that are at violent odds with each other, and both of which are the product of oppression and injustice. Moses is raised by Egyptian royalty, and so he's given all of the privileges of an Egyptian prince. Yet through his connection with his Hebrew mother, he also carries the cultural identity of the oppression and slavery of his people. The very same top scholars of Egypt that Moses learned from on a daily basis were profiting off of the backs of Moses' own family. The system of government that Moses was a young prince in was murdering Israelite children on a daily basis. The wealth and power that Moses had access to that provided him an education, a home, and food on his plate every single day 
all existed because of the suffering and oppression of his own people. Moses is a product of both the oppressor and the oppressed. In Spanish, we have a word called mestizo. The word literally translates to mixed, but it has a really dark cultural history in terms of how that word came about. Historically, when the Spanish conquerors colonized Central America, what resulted was a mixed race of people who are both indigenous Central American and also Spanish. And this is the origin of the Mexican people group, the people group that I'm from. And so mestizo, this new mixed race of people, are a result of the oppression, violence, and colonization that happened as a result of Spanish colonization. Mestizo means to be a product of both the oppressor and the oppressed. It means for your history to be tainted by racial violence and brokenness. And I think Mestizo actually describes Moses' cultural journey pretty well. He's a product of so much privilege because he's lived out of so much power, yet he's living out of a culture that is so tainted by oppression and injustice. And I imagine that this is what the first 40 years of Moses' life looked like, sitting in this tension of being torn between two cultures that are violently at odds with each other. So to apply this to an American historical context, imagine if we're in 1800s America and a black child who was enslaved gets adopted by a white slave-owning family who's really wealthy. That's essentially Moses. He's grown up being both very aware that he's not a slave, but at the same time he knows he's not Egyptian and will never be free from that tainted cultural past. And Moses is very aware of this tension, and he eventually lashes out in anger and kills an Egyptian while trying to defend one of his own people. As a result, Moses runs away in fear and in shame, and he's rejected by both the Egyptians and the Israelites. Moses had access to so much privilege and power, and instead of staying to be part of bringing justice and healing to a people he knew were suffering, instead he runs away in shame. And in all honesty, I think we do this all the time. I think it can be so easy for us to walk away from hardship or oppression if we aren't experiencing it personally. If you aren't black, it can be really easy to not participate in conversations about police brutality against the black community. If you aren't an international student, it can be really easy to turn a blind eye to the decision that ICE made last week about how international students would have had their visas stripped and removed from the United States in the fall. Even though that decision got overturned a few days ago, how many of us kept scrolling through our newsfeed because it didn't apply to us? There is so much injustice in our world, but like Moses, your privilege will often allow you to walk away unaffected by it. You have countless opportunities to be part of using your privilege to bring healing and justice, and yet how often do you walk away in fear? Or maybe you've messed up in the past, maybe not as bad as Moses, but maybe you've messed up in the past, and as a result, you've caused more harm than good, but still chosen to walk away in shame and in fear. 
I firmly believe that God does not call you to walk away. He does not call you to close your eyes to your privilege, and he does not call you to feel ashamed or afraid of your cultural history, no matter how tainted by oppression it may be. He has something so much greater for you in store, and he wants to use every single part of your cultural story for bringing restoration and justice. Continuing with Moses' story, he flees Egypt and runs away to a Midianite tribe and eventually ends up marrying the daughter of a Midianite priest, and they give birth to a son. And out in the desert in Midian is where Moses spends the next 40 years of his life. And we actually see that while Moses may have run away from his past, he's still really hurt by what he's left behind. In Hebrew culture, it was very common to name your child after what you were experiencing in your own life. And so I think it's very purposeful that Moses names his son Gershom, meaning foreigner. Moses sees himself as someone who is in a foreign land and who is completely forgotten. Can you imagine the amount of shame and fear you must have been living in to name your child foreigner in a foreign land? And how he lived that way for 40 years. The only thing Moses really knows about himself is that he doesn't have a homeland or a people anymore. But in that shame and fear, God calls him back to Egypt, and yet Moses doesn't even know who he is. So as God calls Moses back to Egypt, Moses responds with, but who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? As Moses continues to talk to God, we hear Moses keep saying things like, who am I that I should go? Why does it have to be me? And he tells God that he's probably not the most eloquent person for the job. He says he's slow of speech and tongue, and eventually he tells God that he should send someone else altogether. I'm not the right guy. It's not me. I don't have the qualifications. I don't speak all that well. You should probably send somebody else. And I imagine that this question, who am I, is one that's really fitting for Moses' cultural story. I imagine he's asked himself pretty often, am I an Israelite? Am I an Egyptian? Am I a Midianite? He can't return to Egypt as an Egyptian because he's wanted for murder. He can't return as an Israelite because the Israelites rejected him. He can't return as a Midianite because he's married into that culture, but he's not a Midianite himself. And so, while Moses has attempted to forget his past, God has not forgotten. And God intends to redeem Israel through both Moses the Egyptian and Moses the Hebrew. God will not waste any part of Moses' cultural story. While Moses says that he isn't the most qualified, if we take a look back at Moses' privilege and power, we see that he was actually really qualified to return to Egypt and confront systems of power. He was trained by the best Egyptian scholars and groomed to be an elite prince over Egypt. As former royalty, he had access to Pharaoh, and he knew what it would look like to be in charge of a nation of people because he had 40 years of experience learning about the Egyptian government. That sounds pretty qualified, but God had a plan specifically for using Moses' privilege and God was going to use it to free the Israelites from slavery. God wanted to use Moses the Egyptian. God also wanted to use Moses the Hebrew. God tells Moses to regain the trust of the Hebrew community when he returns to Egypt. 
And God tells him to do this very strategically by recalling the history of the Israelite people. God tells Moses to tell the Hebrew elders that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent him to him. This is God's way of allowing Moses to reconnect to his culture again and to reconnect to his community again. This is similar, if we put this in modern day context, this is similar to me if I, for whatever reason, were to walk away from my family for 40 years, disappear, not tell anybody where I was going, and then randomly 40 years later show up at a family gathering and say, I'm one of you guys, my last name's Gonzalez, my dad's name is Alberto, my grandpa's name is Frank, and list all my cousins. Like, that's pretty similar. He gets a chance to re-identify himself as a Hebrew in a very strategic and family-oriented way. God allows Moses to reconnect to his cultural roots again by calling on the names of his ancestors and God to identify himself as a Hebrew again. No Egyptian would have been able to do that. No Egyptian would have been able to say that God of Abraham had sent them because they wouldn't have been able to be part of the family of Abraham. God allows Moses to connect and own his cultural roots again. God intended to use all of Moses, his Egyptian privilege, and his Hebrew culture to send him back to Egypt, confront Pharaoh, and be part of setting the Israelites free from oppression. We know that God does a ton of work to set the Israelites free from slavery, but God instructed Moses to be part of this in such a real way. God does the same in each of us. He sends you out to bring healing and restoration through every part of who he's made you to be, including your culture. God has created you and your culture uniquely in his image, and he does not waste anything. He intends to use all of his creation for the renewing of the world. So how would your life look different if you allow God to use your cultural identity for his purpose? For me, it wasn't until a few years ago that someone told me that being Latina was a blessing. And like, I knew being Latina was great. I knew it was a good time. I knew that that was part of who I was, but I had no idea that that was something special and sacred to God. I didn't think that meant anything special to him or that he had a unique purpose for me as a Latina. But a few years ago, a friend of mine gave me a book called Being Latino in Christ. And that was the first time I ever heard someone speak so much intention and value into being Latino. It shared the unique things that I've already talked about, about being part of the Latino community that reflect God and how God wants to use those in the world. For example, like I mentioned, the Latino community brings the gifts of hospitality and deep love of community that we value relationships and harmony, and that as a Latina, I get to be part of bringing that to the world, bringing that to others, and sharing those gifts to bless others. And that plays into how I enter into conversations about racial reconciliation and the way that I get to see God reconcile my culture to himself. As I've been on staff with Crew over the past few years and grown in my cultural identity as a Latina, I've had the blessing of getting to work alongside Destino, which is our Latino cultural context ministry in Crew, and I've been able to coach and empower other Latinos. One in particular, her name's Gabby, and she's an intern with Destino up in San Francisco. 
and Gabby is the first person in her family to graduate from college. As I've been able to mentor her over the past year and a half, it's been such a huge blessing to see the Lord use her to reach the Latino community in San Francisco with the gospel. As I've been able to mentor her out of my renewed cultural identity, I get to share with her the things I'm learning as a Latina and empower her so she can be part of empowering other Latinos. God has used her to launch new ministries, create new community connections in the Latino community and in the world to bring people to Jesus. She's able to step into these spaces confidently because of the work the Lord has done in her life and in her culture. And I'm only able to mentor her this way because of the work the Holy Spirit has done in me and in my cultural identity as well. God has a plan to use your renewed cultural identity in his pursuit of justice in this world. Even if you're still unsure of what that looks like, whether you're white majority culture and you grew up middle class and you have no idea how to talk about Black Lives Matter, or you're a second generation Chinese American from an immigrant family and you know all about your family's history, or you're a mix of second but kind of maybe third generation Mexican American, you don't speak Spanish and you get told you're whitewashed, whatever that might look like for you, cultural identity is a spectrum and God cares about all of it. And God intends to bring healing to your cultural identity and then use that to bring healing to others. As I close, I think that as Renew, we have a beautiful opportunity to be a blessing to the world, especially in the area of racial reconciliation. Even in just being here and in these conversations for a few months, whether it was writing prayer prompts for you guys or facilitating spaces for these conversations or even preaching today, I bring these things because of the way that God has renewed my cultural identity to be passionate about justice and racial reconciliation. As a Latina, when I enter into these spaces, I bring my cultural story and what I'm learning, and we get to be part of growing in that together. And as you allow God to work in your cultural identity, I believe that each of you will contribute something beautiful and God-honoring to our Renew family. And I just want to affirm one more time, as I close, that God is faithful in fulfilling his promise to you and will use you to be a blessing in the pursuit of justice and racial reconciliation. I'll close in prayer. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have today to be together and, and look at Moses' story and in the way that you have just taken so much of the brokenness of our world and made it new in who you are, God. I pray that as we've heard this message, um, yeah, that you would just continue to work in each of our hearts, no matter where we're at in our cultural story. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to be so present in each of us, that we wouldn't walk away in shame or fear, but that we would boldly step into the power of your Holy Spirit to understand that we are made in your image, and that you intend to use all of who we are, all who you've created to be, to be part of bringing justice and reconciliation to this world. In your name we pray, amen.